Hey team, welcome to Rewriting Wellbeing, the teacher's health podcast, the show that helps you thrive and not just survive both in and out the classroom. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you are doing really, really well today and your 2024 has got off to an amazing start. I hope you had a lovely Christmas and you had some great time with friends and family, some time to relax and recover and rest a little bit from the autumn term. You're feeling good going into 2024. Can't believe it's 2024 already. When did that happen? So this year has got off to a bit of an amazing start for me. I got engaged actually uh, last Tuesday, so a week ago today, got engaged. So 2024 has got a lot to live up to now. The year has started off with a bang, just got to try and get the rest of the year to follow suit. Anyway, what I wanted to share with you today are the first seven tips from a series that I'm doing called A Tip A Day in January. At the end of December, I came up with an idea to share one tip a day for teachers who are wanting to live their healthiest happiest lives in 2024, no matter what that means. Maybe it's nutrition, maybe it's movement, maybe it's weight loss, maybe it's mental health, maybe it's sleep, stress, mindset, no matter what it is, I wanted to share 30 tips in January to help you live your healthiest, happiest life. Now, before I get into it, what I want to say is that these are obviously blanket statements. They're they're blanket tips. I want you to take what I share with you today. I want you to make it really personal and really relevant to you. As teachers, we have a lot of challenges that we face that are quite nuanced. You know, they're not things that most people can relate to. They're not most things that most people can can understand. We have that stress, that pressure, that expectation, the lack of time that we have with our jobs. And that's all on top of you know you and the other roles you play in other people's lives. For example, parent, sibling, daughter, whatever else. And that's also on top of you wanting to live your life, to enjoy it, to be a human being and actually do the things that give you joy and that you, um, you, you, you love, basically. So make sure that you take these points, you make them relevant for you. And then that's going to help you to apply them rather than just being blanket statements. Okay, so here we go. Tip number one, take imperfect action. I see so many teachers struggling with perfect inaction. So basically they're waiting till they can be perfect. They're waiting till they can be a 10 out of 10 until they get started with their health goals. This often looks like a perfect Monday, a pretty good Tuesday, Wednesday things start to slip. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we forget our health goals. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. We throw in the towel because we simply can't be perfect. This is further compounded by the conditioning that we go through as teachers. You know, the expectation that is put on us every single day and the expectation that is put on the children every single day is that we need to see you know bounds of progress and we need to be perfect and we need our classroom to be beautiful and clean and tidy whilst having the perfect planning and resourcing whilst differentiating 30 different ways whilst supporting SEND like you know the the expectation that's placed on us is ultimately perfection and we're always going to fall short of perfection and like I say that conditioning from teaching often transfers to our mindset with our health and our well-being goals instead of waiting and trying to and basically suffering from perfect inaction I want you to take imperfect action I want you to do the thing even when you can't be perfect For example, if you set yourself a goal to do a 30-minute workout, but the car breaks down or one of your children are ill or, I don't know, something happens at school and you have to stay late, you have two choices. You can either say, right, I can't do my 30-minute workout that I planned. I'm not going to do anything at all. 
and give in to that comfort zone, give in to that instant gratification and go back to your old ways. Or you can say, right, you know what? I can't quite manage that 30 minute workout, but I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk or I'm going to do five minutes of stretching. Just as an example with your movement, same with your nutrition. Okay, maybe you weren't planning to have that cake in the staff room, but you have, and hopefully you were present with it and hopefully you enjoyed it. You can now forget the rest of the meals that you planned. You can, you know, go and snack on crisps and chocolate and things, which again is always fine in moderation instead of the the yogurt or the fruit that you planned you can go home and you can get a takeaway instead of that meal that's in the fridge you know you can follow it up with a bottle of wine you could do that because you've had a piece of cake and you can as i say you know throw the baby out with the bath water or you can say you know what i had a piece of cake wasn't quite intending to do that but i enjoyed it draw a line in the sand and go back to taking imperfect action always aim to be a six or a seven out of ten across the week instead out of a te- instead of a 10 out of 10 on a Monday Tuesday leading down to a zero out of 10 by the end of the week take imperfect action do not wait until the conditions are perfect because ultimately you're then going to always be waiting you're never going to get started and you're never going to see the change that you really really want to see with your health and your well-being as a teacher number two then plan in your rest we talked about this on our um, weekly webinar live with our clients last night how often do you have your day as a teacher meticulously planned? How often do you have every minute of that day planned out? You know what lessons you're teaching, you know what jobs you need to do, you know the emails you need to get back to, you know the resources you need to prepare, you know the meetings that you need to go to. You have all of these things organised. But when I, if I was to say to you, okay, what have you planned in for you today? You probably won't be able to tell me anything. Maybe maybe you've got a workout planned or maybe a walk or maybe you know, maybe you have got like a meal with a loved one planned out, but, but I highly doubt it. Most teachers plan for the the job and they might even plan for their families and other people, but they don't really plan for themselves. So as you go into January, make sure you are planning in for your rest. And when I say that, I mean literally planning in for your rest. So when you're looking at your weekly overview or your your diary, I want you to begin by blocking in the chunks of time where you are going to have some time on your own, even if it's five to 15 minutes. I want you to plan in some time where you might go for a walk. I want you to plan in some time where you might have a bit of quiet time or, or downtime before going to sleep. Plan in your rest first. Once that's mapped in, then you can map in for other people and then you can map in for school. Do it in that order because otherwise when you put school first, because teaching is what it is, it's a bottomless pit, it's going to it's gonna drink all of your time up. It's going to use all of your time and you'll have nothing left for you. So begin with planning in your rest as much as you plan for the job itself. Number three, get some accountability. It's really, really difficult, particularly when you're making a change and you're at the beginning, to hold yourself to account. And what we want to do over time is we want to create this sense of intrinsic motivation, meaning we want you to be driven and motivated by your own self-worth and your own self-respect. We want you to do these things, these habits for you, not for anyone else, because that is how we make long-term lifestyle change that lasts a lifetime. However, in the beginning, it's quite likely that your mindset mindset might not be there yet and you might need a bit more structure, you might need a bit more support and a little bit more accountability. So get some accountability buddies, ask a friend to be your accountability buddy, share your goals with your loved ones, tell people what you're going to do and ask them to hold you to account. Lots of people do really well by creating maybe like a social media profile or an Instagram profile or whatever where they have it anonymously but they 
share their goals, they share their actions, their cooking, you know, their evening routines, they share what they do on the weekend for fun, they share their downtime and stuff like that. Get some kind of accountability, no matter what it is, get something in place that is going to make you hold you hold yourself to account by having other people hold you to account. It's really, really, really easy not to have any skin in the game when it comes to your health and well-being, i.e. no one's going to know if I don't do this, it's only me. And what happens is when you set yourself a target or a goal, when you don't meet that or you choose not to take that action or something gets in the way, it really damages your self-belief. And what we're talking about here is trusting yourself. Just like trust with a friend or a colleague, it takes years to build but a second to break. And for most teachers, we struggle with this lack of self-belief. We don't genuinely deep down believe that we can do it. So what do we need to do? We need to build up the evidence bank that you can do this. And right now, in the beginning, it's going to be quite difficult to hold yourself to account. So get accountability from other people to help you build up that bank of evidence. Number four, then, is going to be one from a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that is Never Miss Twice. Never Miss Twice is this concept that says you are going to miss every now and then. There will be things that get in the way. Life will throw you curveballs. There will be bumps and bends along the road. It's completely normal and natural to miss sometimes. You might skip a habit a day. You might forget to not scroll in bed that night. You might allow a colleague to overstep a boundary. You might check your emails at 10 o'clock at night. These things are going to happen. However, if we can apply the rule of never missing twice, meaning don't let it happen twice pretty much, don't forget the habit twice, you are going to allow yourself to be far more successful in the long run. Because what happens when you allow yourself to miss twice, for example, you get you get started on a Monday, Monday's great, Tuesday's great, Wednesday, oh, it doesn't quite happen, Thursday, again, oh, it doesn't quite happen. It's far more difficult to recover from two days off than it is from one day off. One day off is a blip, it's a mistake, it's happened, that's fine, that's what, that's what life is going to throw at us. Two days, though, is becoming a pattern. Three days is more difficult, then it's five, then it's seven, then it's 14. And before you know it, you're six months down the line, all because you allowed yourself to miss twice. So apply that rule when you're creating these habits and you're making this change, apply that rule of never missing twice. And you'll see that you'll be far more consistent and far more successful because of it. Number five then, make sure your goals are yours. At this time of year in January, you are going to see so much health and fitness marketing. You are going to see six week, six pack abs plans and you're going to see, you know, build a habit in 30 days and you're going to see transform your mental health in two weeks and all of these quick fixes and fads and challenges. The truth is what got you where you are now with your health and well-being happened over months, years, maybe even decades. And what is going to improve your mental health, mental health and physical well-being is going to take months and years. It's not going to take days and weeks. And I know that that's not what you want to hear because as humans, we are all built for instant gratification. We're all built for the quickest wins, the quickest results. But the truth is, you've got to where you are now over a long period of time. You need to have the patience that, okay, it's going to take me a little while to get back to where I want to be with my health and well-being. So just make sure that you're not going for these quick fixes, these fad diets. The other thing that we see a lot at this time of year is health and fitness marketing that is all around fat loss, weight loss, and changing the shape of your body. And this marketing is essentially there to make you feel not good enough, to make you feel like you are not worthy because maybe you've got more body fat on your body. Maybe you're in a small, uh, maybe you're in a larger body. Maybe you're in a heavier body, and it's there to make you feel rubbish, basically. 
for the body that you are in so that you then hand over your hard-earned money to people because you are coming from a place of insecurity and you're trying to guilt yourself into growth and you're trying to shame yourself into change. That is the health marketing that we see in January. And unfortunately, it's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. But the truth is, when when we're seeing this marketing, when we're falling victim to it, the, the narrative they're selling us is that, okay, smaller, lighter body equals happiness and health. And the truth is, it might not. When I was in my quote-unquote best shape and I had a six-pack and things like that, I was at my most miserable I have ever been. And of course, that is just my personal anecdotal story. But the food was so restrictive. I wasn't socialising and seeing friends. I spent all day, every day in my free time in the gym. I was constantly exercising. I was miserable yet I was at my lightest and most leanest body shape, if you like, that I had ever been. And for me, that never brought me any happiness. And I see it all the time with people who have done restrictive diets in the past and diet clubs and things like that. They reach their target or whatever, and life doesn't change. You don't suddenly become a happier person. You don't suddenly walk over this rainbow bridge and everything's amazing. So if you are seeing all this marketing around and you're feeling like, you know, okay, you know, I, I need to lose weight or whatever. Just and again, if you are, that's absolutely fine. You know, I've personally got a goal over January to lose a few pounds and I've got many clients who are looking at a weight loss goal as well right now. And that's absolutely fine. But please, please, please just make sure that your goal of weight loss or whatever goal you're thinking about is genuinely your goal and that you know that to be happy and healthy, you need to look at all areas of your health and not just the scale or not just the size of your thighs or the clothes that you're fitting into. Your health is not, sorry, yeah, your health and your happiness is not necessarily dictated by your body size or your body weight or your body shape. Really, really important. So number five, just make sure that your goals are yours. And if that is weight loss, that's absolutely fine. However, just make sure it's your goal and not somebody else's. Number six then is don't exercise just to burn calories. And this came off the back of me having a memory sparked. I'd just been out on a run on Saturday and I came home and I had um, a load of water, uh, I had a protein yogurt and there were some crisps in the cupboard and I just nibbled on a couple of crisps. And I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I remember being told and sold this idea that I wasn't allowed to eat after exercise because it allowed my body to burn more body fat. And I remember who told me, I remember where I read it, I remember the conversation I had with them, and I remember doing it for years. And I genuinely believed that if I didn't eat after exercise, in my mind, it was the idea that my body was burning calories from the run, so if I didn't eat, I'd burn more calories. I didn't know anything about calorie balance across the day, I didn't know anything about protein, I didn't know anything about nutrition, I was just told this idea and and I adopted it as my own. And I did it for years, like I say. And the, the, the real trap that I fell into for a long time was viewing my exercise as purely a way to burn body fat. And first of all, that's really inefficient and doesn't work very well. It often increases your appetite and you end up eating more. It is completely neglecting all the benefits of strength training. For example, offsetting things like osteoporosis and sarcopenia, so bone and muscle wastage as we get older. It's forgetting the mental health benefits. It's forgetting the community that you can build through movement and and training. It's forgetting all of the amazing effects that movement and training has. And it's just sort of condensing it and simplifying it down to move more, 
burn calories. And what this does is it builds up a really negative relationship with our bodies, with our relationship with food, um, and with our exercise as well. And we can start to become a bit of a human calculator, i.e., okay, I eat this many calories, I must burn off this many calories. And we end up, you know, developing some some really unhealthy relationships and, and it really negatively affects our mental health. We can, you know, even see, see sort of um, things developing like orthorexia and things like that because we are purely focused on our scale weight and our body fat. And we're looking at our food and our movement as just helping us with that. And ultimately, health and happiness comes from adding things into your life movement that you enjoy that adds to you, you know, gives you strength, increases your fitness, that's positive and progressive, not viewing it as something just to take away and just to kind of get rid of the the food that you've eaten. So number six, don't exercise just to burn calories. Look at all the other many, many benefits that we have of movement and training. Number seven then to finish off this very first week of a tip a day in January is a very, very practical one, very nutrition based. Use one pot wonders. So one pot wonders really simply, is this idea of cooking in one pot. So it might be a tray bake, it might be a curry, a chili, a stew, um, a spaghetti bolognese, anything like that. If you can put all your ingredients in one pot, put it on a low heat, whack it in the oven or whack it on the hob and go away and do some work or do some jobs or have some downtime or spend time with family, come back and it's done, that is gonna save you so much headspace and it's gonna save you so much time. So when you're planning out your meals this week, Think about using one pot wonders, ingredients that you can whack in a pot, put the lid on and jobs are good. So those are the seven top tips um, from this week. We've got another three weeks of January left. So I'm going to be sharing the next seven um, tips next week. We're on the podcast. But just to recap those really quickly. Number one, take imperfect action. Number two, plan in your rest like you plan in your productivity. Number three, get yourself some accountability. Number four, never miss twice. Number five, make sure your goals are yours. Number six, don't exercise just to burn calories. And number seven, use one pot wonders with your cooking and nutrition. Anyway, team, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope these seven tips have been useful. Like I say, I'll be back next week with the next seven. Have an awesome week and I'll catch you really soon. Take care.